Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Maria Hadjidimitriou. I am a thalassemia patient. I am an executive board member of the Coolies Anemia Foundation and an expert patient advisor for the Thalassemia International Federation. Our first guest that I will introduce is Kathleen Durst. She has a Master's of Arts in Psychology. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed independent clinical social worker. She's been a clinical social worker for the Coolies Anemia Foundation since 2008. In addition, she has been a clinical supervisor at Boston University's online social work school since 2012 and recently in clinical practice at Headspace Health. Kathleen focuses on the connection between social and emotional wellness and physical health. In her individual and group remote sessions with thalassemia patients, Kathleen uses evidence-based interventions to increase coping skills, which help patients to develop a toolkit to use when managing the various aspects of their rare blood disorder. Some of the tools are mindfulness, thoughts, restructuring, organizational techniques, stress reduction, care coordination, and many more. Kathleen has a BS from Florida State University, an MA in psychology from Southern Connecticut State, and a master's in social work from Columbia University. Her postgraduate work is from the Beck Institute, specializing in cognitive behavioral treatment with medical conditions. Kathleen has been in academic work since 2007, working in the fieldwork training departments at NYU, Stony Brook, and Boston Universities. Kathleen is licensed and practices remotely as a licensed clinical social worker in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and in Massachusetts as a licensed independent clinical social worker. She lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with her husband, her nine-year-old son, and her cocker spaniel. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, George Constantino. I'm also a thalassemia patient, and I am uh, a founding member of the UKTS, United Kingdom Thalassemia Society, and also a founding member and of uh, TIF, uh, and still a very active uh, part, uh, board member. Uh, my passion is to ensure that all thalassemias all thalassemia people are given the opportunity for a good quality of life. I will introduce you to Dr. Michael Angastignodis. I think most of you, if not all of you, know of him. Uh, this is a very brief bio because I could be talking here for the next uh, three days. Uh, but Dr. Angastignodis graduated in medicine from the University of Aberdeen and specialized in pediatrics in the UK. He has been a member of the Cyprus Thalassemia Control Program from his onset in 1971. He was a member of WHO Ad Hoc Advisory Committee on the Control of Hemoglobin Disorders in the 1980s and has served as the WHO Expert Advisory Panel on Human Genetics. He was Director of Pediatrics Department of Macario's Third Hospital in Nicosia, including the Thalassemia Center and since 2004, a resident medical advisor to TIF. Third segment, we're going to focus on learning resources for coping with the illness and how to put yourself in control of your illness. Uh, the question is to Kathleen. I'm 17 years old. 
I always did my best not to be absent from school, so no one will notice that I have a problem. I'm not really ashamed of it, but I am afraid people will look at me with pity. I am mistaken. Should I be more open about it? So, if you know me, I always go to the, it is all individual. So, um, you know, what is it that you want? You know, what, why would you want to tell someone or the classroom or anybody? So have a purpose, right? Have a, have a reason to do it. Not just because, you know, the thalassemia chapter people told you to do it and not because your parents didn't tell you to do it. It really having a reason for why, um, you know, you want to do it. Um, this is such an interesting question because the, um, the anticipated reaction is what many times, um, many, a big reason why, why people don't talk or tell about a lot of things, right? The pity, you might be pity. Now pity is really, really showing, you know, um, it's not necessarily a negative word, um, but I know what they're saying. They're, it makes them feel bad because it's the person feeling bad for you because you have this. So I, I would say be ready for, in general, people are, bringing good. People want to be good in general, right? In general. So when you t do tell somebody, be ready for their what they're going to say. It might not be perfect. It probably won't be because they're not sure what to say. They are just in this position of, you know, they do feel, they feel, and you know, they feel for you. So there's, you know, empathy, sympathy, there's pity. You know, sympathy is, is addressing I'm sorry that that's happening to you. Be ready for that. And sympathy isn't objectively or technically a bad thing. It just might feel like it for you. So they may not give you exactly what you want. So, um, but just be mindful that I think most people are trying and then you can always tell them how you would like it handled. You know, I wanna tell you I have thalassemia, but it's something I just don't really talk about at school. So if you just, you know, if, um, understand my boundary on that, or I have thalassemia and I would love you to ask me as many questions as possible. I'm open about it. Um, or you don't tell if that's what you don't, you're not ready to tell. And, you know, you, you talk about it, process it, and just kind of know why you're doing what you're doing. That's how I go about that particular area. I think I covered, I think I covered everything. Yeah. I remember when I first told my best friend, um, I met her in my college years and I think it was second year of college and I kept it quiet from her um, until we were going to study in Italy together where I would have to bring my desk for all because I'm, you know, need to continue my chelation. And um, when I told her this is what I received back pity and I did exactly what you said no 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 I love my disease my disease empowers me don't pity me I love my disease and it's like you said Kathleen it's okay to get sympathy empathy pity and then you know just tweak it how you want it handled from the person you say it but as long as you don't have self-pity self-pity is destructive mm-hmm so, yeah. Dr. Michael, did you have anything for that? Or George, should we go to the next question? Uh, I think you've covered everything, yeah. Okay. Okay, the next question is basically very similar to the previous question, but it just gets a little bit deeper in life. 
I have a potential girlfriend. I don't know if to tell her about my thalassemia or what stage of our relationship should I do that? So it's very similar to the school, but now we're getting more uh, yeah. ahead in life. Okay, basically, he's talking about a potential girlfriend. He's not talking about a fixed, uh, ongoing relationship, but uh, something that a relationship that's about to start. Um, it's a matter of it's a matter of opinion actually he's not forced to tell her it's not uh, ab absolutely necessary to discuss uh, a health issue with a potential friend or a potential girlfriend um, I think the issue is let the relationship develop let it become a trust relationship, if it's going to become a trust relationship. Let it blossom. And according to where it's going, then yes, there will come a moment when you will feel comfortable to say, uh, by the way, I need blood. I need medication uh, and I need it permanently. Um, Labels uh, may not be necessary, but uh, things may have to be said. But not with any potential person or any person that we just happen to know. Let the relationship blossom. Mm. Yes, uh, Kathleen, would you like to add? Yeah, I would say well said. That's exactly right. You know, it's just see if that's the person that this person is the person you want to tell you don't know you know, do you feel there's a connection there's a feeling you get when you want to be intimate you know when you really want to expose yourself and talk to somebody about yourself you know so you just don't know you won't know till till it happens um so um there are a few other let me think if there's something else um yeah. So if any, if any questions, you know, come to mind for you as you're dating the person, you know, I don't know if this person can handle it or I, you know, I don't feel comfortable. Then those are kind of red flags. Like, you know, that's, that's, you know, this, so it's good to take your time and um, yeah, be mindful and thoughtful about it. Mm, yeah. Okay. I always say, say it in the beginning, nip it in the butt. If they don't want to be there, Yes, I, Maria, I, I tend to think that many pe people are ignorant of uh, this situation. And, and the, if you tell them without the attachment, as uh, Michael, Kathleen said, uh, that you, you know, you're beginning to have the relationship, then it's an automatic shutdown. Uh, because Not because they're afraid or anything, it's just that Oh my God! What is this? It, 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 but if their, their character will actually switch them off, if their character is that of empathy and understanding, they won't shut down. They won't. They will sit down and listen. And yeah, yeah, uh, Maria, yes, I, I, I don't. We don't disagree. But if they don't ask, you're just—it's a potential relationship. Yes, if they don't ask. Should I immediately volunteer uh, to discuss my 
personal life. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I would put it in the, that category of your personal stuff that you wait on sort of normally to it unfolds, right? If you want to talk about parent dying or some of those deep, you know, it's, it, but it's, it depends on the person, right? That's how you feel. Right. And that's, and that is, that feels right for you. Um, it's just not going to be right for everyone. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Okay. I think we got to the last question, Maria. Do you, do you want to go ahead? Thank you, George. I am married with children. It does not take a lot of effort to tell my wife and reassure her that thalassemia is not a dangerous disease and that there are many ways to avoid our children having it if she was a carrier. Thanks God, she is not. I don't know if my children should know about my problem and if so, at what age to tell them. Yeah, mm. Dr. Michael, and then Kathleen, I, we would love your input. Um, uh, if I've understood the question, his question is about telling the children. Mm. Now, uh, he's a, a homozygote, he's a patient. His wife is not a carrier, but all, all the children will be carriers. So at some stage, they need to know, not because their health is going to be affected, but because uh, they need to know that their carriers, uh, uh, from the point of view of uh, their own marriage, their own reproductive life, later on in life. Um, when is the right time? First, circumstances might arise that they will find out that their father goes and gets blood transfusion every, every few weeks. And you don't want to leave them wondering. So um, if, the, if the father disappears every 10 days or two weeks or, or every month to, get, uh, to go to hospital, uh, this will eventually filter down to the children and uh, it's better to be honest, uh, whatever their age. Um, uh, as far as I, uh, as far uh, as far as I can understand, mm. something has to be explained. Um, concerning the patient, the the children's carrier status, that could wait. It could wait until they're uh, at school, at perhaps high school, when they're un they understand things better. By that time, they would have known the father's condition anyway. Um, it, it, this is a little bit of a technical question. There, there are aspects to it which are not purely psychological. There are practical issues uh, here. Uh, will the children find out? When should the children know about their carrier status, etc.? So there are practical issues here. It's not a purely psychological issue. Yeah, I would say once again, you know, definitely in agreement with that with that answer. You know, the more that you can um, 
First of all, the most important thing is the psychological status of the patient, right? So if the patient is very anxious and depressed, that's not going to be helpful for, for the child. And then the child, the child picks up on all these things, right? The little antennae, they're just, you know, what's going on here? So if it's like anxiety, depression, and, you know, going for blood and it's, you know, the kind of a chaos at home and stuff, then it's just you know, the mixture. So it's take care of business, you know, try to be as, as healthy as possible. Um, the more you normalize things, the better with kids, you know, the, you know, the earliest that the child can help, you know, mix the desperal or, you know, do little things, little things, tiny things, you know, or um, when they're ready, perhaps go to the hospital, you know, make it a positive experience. They get a teddy bear, always cup, you know, match it with something positive. Um, but I would say, yeah, you know, just the, you know, the hospital, maybe like, you know, in grade school, um, yeah, this more intellectual information, I would say definitely wait on. And then, of course, you know, the temperament of the child. You know, if you have a highly anxious child, you might want to wait on some things and be just real you know, gentle as you introduce the information. Um, but I think that really be this is, you know, first the stress in the family and making sure that that's good and solid and then you know you introduce it in a, a normalizing kind of way this is part of our like the background thing this is part of our family this is part of what's going on so but yeah I, I agree wouldn't would it not affect the child's trust to his parents if all of a sudden at a very late stage 10 12 15 finds out that his dad or uh, has been not telling him the truth because basically he's hiding, he's lying. Wouldn't that have a negative effect on the child if you delayed to a stage where they start understanding? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think that what we've said indicates that uh, the father's condition uh, should not be left uh, should not be postponed forever. The child will will know uh, that something is wrong anyway. So it's better to... It, yeah. They pick up on cues. And uh, uh, last year when I presented for the TIFF conference on when to tell the children, we I used as an example, no name mentioned, uh, a patient that has three children between the age of 8 and 12 and they picked up in cues and they finally came out and said, you know, daddy, where do you go every other Tuesday and you come home so late? Mm. And um, he finally went in and told them what thalassemia is about and uh, what it means to be a carrier. And, the, you know, his, their mom was a carrier. Um, to use an example of what I did with Julia, when she was a toddler, I'd take her with me at transfusions and she considered my blood transfusion as a superpower juice. And it was always a very positive experience. And when I was done with my blood, she's like, mommy, you feel stronger now, right? And in the morning, she's like, don't forget your super vitamins and everything is positive. When I stick my stomach with the needle for the dust roll, um, she puts the tachyderm on it and she gives it a little kiss. Everything is positive. So uh, take that and turn it to the positive. And they start uh, becoming um, empowered and little advocates at their school. My mommy has a disease and 
She's spoken about thalassemia on several occasions at her school. And uh, she even sits when pre-COVID, she used to come with me to transfusions with my hematologist and comes up with ways on how could mommy get cured. So it's really, they, they develop um, an empathy and uh, they, they really start caring about others' well-being. So it's a positive thing to discuss with your child at a young age what you're going through. I'll just add one other piece to that when you were saying, you know, trust. Um, so it's it, it's complicated. So I want to be able to say this correctly. So, um, you know, parents are entitled to their own privacy of their life, right? But when it becomes secrecy, it's more, it's toxic, right? So there's like a private part of your life. And then there's, if you're keeping something secret because you are also, because if you are not ready to tell them or you're ashamed or whatever, so it, it's, it is the healthiest to, especially with a, a medical condition like this, that's such a big part of the life to, you know, bring it out, seek out help and expose the family in the best way possible. Once again, taking into consideration everyone's needs, you know, how is this for each person? Um, temperament of the child is really important. Um, you know, like during COVID, when everybody, the world was all, you know, really everything was extremely difficult and all these things would that be a time to let's say you're about to tell your child and would that be the right timing i would probably say let's just wait a little bit until you know of anything whether it's thalassemia or big things you're ready maybe wait until things have settled a little bit um so just keeping in mind you know that type of thing and if families think through things they usually make the best choice for their family uh, that's what i've found the end of our uh, segment of this three-part mental health web, uh, uh, podcast. And thank you, Dr. Michael. Thank you, Kathleen and George, uh, for all the input. We got um, the professional input and the patient input, which is incredibly important for our patients. And we love our patients so much, whether our patients are in Bangladesh, or Malaysia, or UK, or America, um, we're here for you. Reach out to us. Do not do this alone. Uh, and uh, we will, you know, just do our best to hold your hands as far away as you are. Um, you are our uh, second family. So we are always here for you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kathleen. And thank you, Maria, for fantastic moderation. Yeah, good <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.